0: yay Johnny Nets we're recording
1: woo
0: <laughs> thanks for agreeing to be I think this is our fifth space talks
1: no worries I uh I'm, I'm really happy to be here I know that oftentimes when people think of Johnny me you know they think of like an overly aggressive bulldog but I'm I'm here to say that I'm I'm more of a golden retriever you know I just bite I bite soft. I'm not, I'm not that mean of a guy, you know?
0: Okay. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And I think for context, I told Johnny this was supposed to be a call and these space talks are intended so that it builds commonality. People know what to reach out to and it makes it less intimidating to meet and reach out to other members. So thank you for being a puppy bulldog at the very least. That's
1: okay. If anyone wants, I'll, I'll give them my meanest bark at some point. <laughs>
0: I kind of want to go down that rabbit hole. I feel like that's (laughs) that's, just
1: (laughs) that's later. Let's drink, let's get a couple glasses of wine us. We'll see how it goes. Okay,
0: John and Don. Um Donnie, where are you calling from right now? Where do you usually work out of?
1: You sound like a radio station host. I'm calling from Seattle. (laughs) I'm normally from uh I I live in California 49% of the time and Seattle 51% of the time.
0: Okay. I love it. And what's in Seattle?
1: I have my family here. I got my, one of my younger brothers, Jordan, I got my four little rat dogs. Now those guys have barks and bites. Um, And uh, and yeah, I mean, right now in Seattle, it's, it's like probably the only three to four months of the year that you really want to be here because it's, you know, roughly 70 to 85 every day. You get generally blue skies. You can see the mountains and, Like, you know, you put up through eight months of rain to have these four months of sunshine, but I just cheat coded this and live in California for the other eight months.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's kind of similar. I grew up in Arizona where there are um, literally, it's called snowbirds. People come out to Arizona during the winter, like 70 degrees and then leave when it goes to like 120. So you've,
1: That's that's exactly the same thing, honestly
0: yeah that's so cool um okay awesome well I'd love to hear more just about you who is Johnny and we can kind of just make a conversation from there
1: sure well let's see what's what's fun to share about me so I you know born and raised in Seattle I'm one of four siblings I'm the eldest I've had debates if it's oldest or eldest it's definitely eldest <laughs> um Let's see, I'm, I'm 24. And then my next younger brother's name is Ethan, and he's a software engineer, college dropout. He is uh, 22. Then my sister is uh, 20, at uh, going to be a doctor of psychology and, and currently in her undergrad. And then my youngest brother is, uh, or my sister's name is Ronnie. And then my youngest brother is Jordan, and he is uh, 16 and uh, wrapping up high school soon, going to be his junior year. And he is pretty phenomenal as well. And he's uh this summer he is uh teaching kids how to program, which is pretty cool. So a lot, um a
0: lot of programming and a and lot of in your family. That's a, really a cool. lot
1: of a lot of tech guys. Uh yeah, we're we you know, we all wear Patagonia vests around the city. I mean, we're all the tech bros. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> but uh
0: I love that. But in terms of like how you started, you know, your first company in terms of like entrepreneurial endeavors and all that good stuff? Are your parents entrepreneurs? How did you even get the idea for your first company, which is different than what you're working on right now?
1: Yeah. So honestly, I wish I had one of those stories where I was like, I, I was the kid selling lemonade on the corner and I found my, you know, I found my entrepreneurial spirit then, right? Like it, that honestly wasn't for me. I actually remember like it you know, 10th, 11th grade, my dad was driving me to, you know, to, to high school. And I was kind of starting to think about college. And I was asking him like, I like, what should I do with my life? I have no idea what I'm interested in. Um, I, I don't, I feel like I don't have like any professional passions. I don't like, nothing is like sticking out as like, oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm super excited to study this. Um, And, and, you know, at that time you're talking about like, I don't know, real estate or maybe going into like be a product manager. I was like, what the hell of a product manager? I don't know what that means. Uh, but, but, you know, so I, I never had like one of those like stories growing up where, uh, oh my God, I know exactly what I want to do. Cause I had this life-changing, you know, revelation, but you know, for me, um, I think my journey began when I wanted to start buying nicer, you know, start buying things for myself that my parents were like, why would we ever buy that for you? I, you know, for specifically, I, you know, we had just leased a new car for me when I got my driver's license and I wanted to be super cool and buy some black rims for it. And so when I asked my parents for 500 bucks to buy some black rims, I was like super hyped. I'm like, yes, they're going to buy for me. And they looked me in the eye, like, why would we ever do that for you? If you want something nice for yourself, Johnny, please go work for it. So I was like that's what life feels like. I got to work for stuff. That's ridiculous. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I, um, I, I, I was doing research on, you know, like what I wanted to do. And I think like at 16, it's honestly pretty hard to even get like a, like an ice cream scooper job. Like, I, I don't really know like what the rules were, but I found this, uh, you know, this, this website called Turo or it's now called Turo, uh, which is basically Airbnb, but for cars. And there, you know, you're able to list up your car and people can rent it. And I had this, you know, my, my car that my, uh, my parents had leased out for me. And it was around winter time when I started this. And I said, you know what, there's probably quite a few people that are flying in that want to go skiing or maybe just want like an all, you know, I had an SUV. So just want like a, you know, an all wheel drive car. Um, so I'll just list my car up and, and, you know, see if I can make some, some money. I listed it for like 30 bucks a day. It was cheaper than all the rental car places nearby, Um, and yeah, you know, started to make some, some chump change here and there. I I had a lot of fun with like the customer service aspect, you know, that, you know, people were messaging me, they wanted things to do in Seattle. I made sure my car was clean. I like dropping it off, picking it up, asking them how their day, you know, that, like that stuff was like a lot of fun for me. I really liked that, you know, the, the engaging with the customer and giving them like a really nice service and you know, as, as like, you know, I was getting more into the groove of it, I, I started to think about if there's a way that this could kind of become more of a business. And, and you know, obviously there's rental car companies, but, you know, my, my thought was, is there a way where, you know, people, there's, there's a lot of executives that are flying in and out of Seattle, a lot of businessmen and women and are they you know looking for something nicer to drive than just you know than just like the typical Honda or the Toyota or something right do they want to drive a nice BMW a nice Mercedes um and and you know had had been kind of sitting on that for a while and, and kind of you know engaging with my friends what they thought and they were all clowning on me saying no way in hell you could do this Johnny but uh you know i i you know did a ton of market research and kind of made a case that you know this is something that I think a lot of, you know, businessmen and women would, would love to drive um, and was able to, you know, get a, like a very small loan to lease a BMW out on the same website. And it, the loan was, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the lease was $1,100 a month. And I did the math and it made sense. As long as I could rent the car for four days a month for $300 a day, I'd be in the green. So I'm like, cool. You know, honestly, that's totally fair price. And, you know, uh, nobody else in Seattle is doing this right now. So great got the car, I was super hyped. Um, and and started to, you know, list it on the website for 300 a day and close my laptop for the day and, and kind of went to bed and, you know, realized that, or, you know, I woke up with, with no messages, nobody was interested. I'm like, okay, wait a couple of days, nobody was interested. I'm like, all right, well, this, this, this blows. Uh, okay, lower the price from 300, to, you know, I think 250, and then 225, and then 200. I'm starting to get nervous. I'm like, okay, I already have to, you know, rent for basically double as long now, um, still no bites. And and I had to work my way down all the way until about $75 a day. And that was pretty tough. That was kind of, I think like my first mistake was kind of diving in way too early into a business, um, without having done like, you know, what's like the minimum, you know, what's the minimum viable product. What's like the least expensive thing I can do to test to make sure that this works. Um, and although I was like, honestly, I was able to like either take a small loss or make a net gain every month. Um, you know, I think that's when I really started to fi- you know, fall in love with what I was doing, like the, the marker research, the building the you know, starting to, you know, how do you take professional photos? How do you stand out from all the listings on the rest of the site? Right. Um, I, I really, really started to enjoy that. Um, and I, I think that's like how Zadar, which was my first company began and, and Zadar ended up being an exotic car rental business in the Seattle area. Um, we ended up, you know, having about 20 to 25 Vehicles anywhere from Lamborghini, Ferrari, McLaren, Rolls Royce, Bentley, BMW, you know, all the, all the, you know, top end models and, and moved from, you know, my garage into one location and into a much larger location. I think it was like a 7,500 square foot showroom. I ended up having five or six employees. We did about a million dollars a year in revenue. Um, uh, and, 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 it all started from, from, you know, me just wanting to buy some, something nice for myself. So what's the moral of the story here? Um, moral <laughs> of the story is go and get your parents to lease you a car and buy some black wheels and innovation spurs from their baby. That's, 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 <laughs> that's. And you
0: like, so you started this whole journey at 16. Yes. How old were you when you had this like 7,500, 70, you said 7,500? No, of course. Was- 7,500
1: square foot showroom. Yeah.
0: yeah. How old were you?
1: I was, I think. That was the summer going into my college, my first year of college. So I was 18 then. Oh, and I think like, I was, I was young. I was really young. Yeah, and for those of you who know for me, you, I've got a baby face and I was also really small back then. I'm not big now, like, but I'm like much more, I would say like built. Donna, you're massive. I'm massive. Like I, I'm like, you know, I'm like looking in this camera, like I have like, you know, my body's like just wider now, you know, not, <laughs> anyways, well, I don't, how do I describe, whatever. Broader. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, and, and back then I was like really tiny. You could find pictures of me. I mean, I was like a small guy. So definitely like one of the toughest things I had to deal with was like people coming in and asking for the owner. I'm like, no, I'm the owner. And they're like, mm, no, 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 not the owner's son. I want the owner. I'm like, no, nope, you're looking at it. You know, like, how do you get like your employees to respect you, how to get people to respect? You know, it's, I'm ultimately, people are paying like 500 to $3,000 a day for a, a, an, an experience, which is to rent yeah. an exotic car. And, you know, when they see a 17, 18, 19-year-old kid, you know, there to, you know, holding his hand out and saying, hey, you can give the cash to me. You know, well, how does that make people feel, right? Like they want a top-end service. It's a 17, 18-year-old kid who's probably, you know, I've never lived a luxurious life in, in that regard. So how, how am I supposed to do this, right? So that was definitely one of the tougher parts was, was my age. And, and like, I even remember uh, interviewing a lady and, uh, you know, I, I invite her to my parents' house. And. Um, you know, she ended up kind of like leaving the interview laughing, and she was like, "You know, I, uh, I'm going to decline this. Not that I even offered her anything, but I'm going to decline this this job opportunity because normally it's, you know, it's me interviewing kids like you, not kids like you interviewing me." And I was like, "Okay, that, that's fine." Uh, and and that was like definitely one of the, the tougher things. So you know, it made me really realize like I am young, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to skip you know many months or years, uh, you know, Satterd ended up you know having this like really cool fashion show at her showroom with a designer, and uh, I guess this lady like knew someone and and came and she found me on the crowd. She said, "Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but you you had interviewed me a couple months or years ago or whatever it was, and I just want to apologize because you did it, and uh, and, and congratulations! I'm you know I'm I'm really happy and I'm proud of you and." Not that like I was looking for validation or anything, but it, it was it was nice to see that like eventually I had proven myself like to you know businesses surrounding me, to people that did want to work for me or didn't want to work for me. You know I grew out of this like kid in a garage to like a full blown business that was running great events and corporate events and um, and yeah. So you know long tangent for you just saying that I was really young.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I appreciate hearing that because I started my company at nineteen. So I can't even imagine from 17 and, or 16, you said, and also, yeah, I feel like everyone has their, their stories of what's, what's it called the um, hero journey of like someone telling you for whatever reason or superficial characteristic of your, or any attribute that, that you're lesser or, or whatever. So good, good on you for, you know, empowering yourself, trusting yourself and then, you know, whether she came back or didn't, you know, it didn't matter because you trust in yourself and that's, that's really cool. So can you talk about the acquisition of Zadart and then what you did for, you know, your next company?
1: Uh, Honestly, like the exit of Zadart was tough because I was, I was in college and the entire operation, I was in college in California. The entire operation was in Washington. And I mean, it's like very, I didn't know what the right balance was with like professional and socialized. You know, I wanted to be a kid. I was also a student. I also had a business. I mean, I was I was in a completely different state. You know, I didn't have my hands on the project anymore, right? I, I kind of like entrusted like, you know, at, uh, I, don't, I guess he was kind of a COO at the time, you know, to, to run it. And, you know, I... I think like it just got to a point where because I was just so absent, like I wasn't able to keep my hands on the project, I realized, you know, it wasn't fair to my employees. It wasn't fair to, you know, the investors. It wasn't fair to, you know, the, the rest of my team or to myself that I just wasn't able to commit 100% to it. And at the time, like my family did not want me to leave college. And I'm actually very glad I did not leave college. Um, and and so we kind of, you know, I had to make the decision not on like a, this is a failing business we need to sell, but more on a like we you know, I I need to do like what's right for the business and like what's right is me not, you know, I, I should not be the owner. Like it should be someone else who is like growing this operation here. And I, I built the foundation. So, uh, you know, we had only gotten around to kind of like whispering about the acquisition before a, or, you know, selling the company before a like uh, I would say one of the first people who like ever got professionally involved with Zadart, you know, kind of heard about that. He kind of stepped in immediately. It's he like, Hey, I'm super interested in buying. So th- it was a pretty easy process. Um, you know, from there, like we knew him for years already. He already knew all about the operation. So, uh, you know, at that point, just finding like a price that that made sense for, for both parties, as well as like, you know, we've taken into account the inventory and the sales and the goodwill of the name and all the customers and everything. Um, and so that part was like relatively like straightforward and, and easy um, and, and yeah, you know, to this day, I'm, I'm still, you know, good friends with the owner and it's great to, you know, drive by, but where Zadart is, it's, it's on the corner of one of the, uh, busiest streets in all of Bellevue. And, um, I pass by it like easily whenever I'm here, like at least like two, three, four times a week, just, just driving around. And so it's really cool to just like drive. I'm like, damn, you know, that's like a landmark of Bellevue right now. Like people know like what Zadart is, people know exactly where it is. And it you was know, so cool to have started that and. uh yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of, you know, after, after Zattered, I, I, that was tough. I, I felt like I kind of lost my identity. Like, I remember like when we made the decision to sell, you know, I, I, I was, you know, I was very upset. I was crying and I, because mostly I was like, who am I now? You know, I was like, I was Johnny, the guy that owns Zadard, the business owner and then I wasn't anymore. I was just Johnny, the the college kid. And I didn't have anything. I didn't have like, you know, summer was coming around. I didn't know like what I wanted to do. Like, do I do an internship? I don't know. Right. Like so much of my identity was kind of lost from there. Um, and, uh, and and it felt weird really. I I didn't, I didn't really know like what my next steps were. Um, so anyways, I I somehow managed to get an internship at Amazon like one month before the internship began. I, I don't know how that happened. And, uh, they, uh, th- this story is pretty fun, but you know, I, I was in California. I'm from Seattle. Everyone knows that, you know, Amazon is a Seattle company, but they also have a ton of offices in California. So I'm like, either way I'll spend the summer in California or Seattle. I'm totally fine. Got my placement. I got sent all the way to New York. I don't know why they would do that. Uh, I didn't even know Amazon had any sort of significance I didn't in New either. York, but yeah, I was like, okay. So I'm like, I've, I'm in both prime locations. They send me completely elsewhere. And I was, I, you know, I was excited to some degree. Like, okay, cool, New York City. Um, but also I was like, I don't know, this doesn't really make sense to me. But, uh, somehow I had to find how. Anyways, whatever. Let's skip those details. I I got to um the day one of the internship and you know showed up you know five minutes late as I do and uh, you know kind of was in the back of the line. They were doing like the internship interns photos and. Um, you know, I, I remember I was trying to, you know, chat with some people and, and make some friends. Um, this was a pretty weird internship because they didn't put all the interns in like a singular dorm or singular apartment building or something. Like every intern was basically just spread across the city. So this was, you know, as far as I knew, pretty much one of the only times that I'd kind of be in the presence of all the interns because, you know, there are offices everywhere. We weren't all on the same team. I mean, completely different projects, different teams, different buildings, different living areas, So I was socializing and, uh, you know, someone came up behind me and introduced himself and, um, you know, uh, his his name was Lucas and I was like, who the hell is this freak? Get away from me. Uh, And sorry, I guess for those of you who, well, if this recording ever gets out beyond this group, people are going to think I'm an absolute asshole for saying that, but... uh, Anyways, I'll just continue the story for now. Uh so so you know um, no context. Everyone, no context, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh so so people, you know, people got their photos. They they went in, I got my photo, and I went into the main room and realized that like my new my new air quotes friends had had kind of like taken up all the seats near the front row. So I didn't really have anywhere to sit. I kind of sat near the back row. Um and then, you know, a couple minutes later, that, that guy who had introduced himself, Lucas, kind of came and sat next to me and making some small talk. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, we can chat. Um, the day went on. It was lunchtime. You know, Lucas came and found me again and ate some lunch with me. And, you know, at the end of lunch, he's like, hey, you know, I, um, you want to you wanna exchange phone numbers? Let's, let's hang out sometime. I'm like, cool, sure. Yeah, let's let's do this. Um, and and that was kind of uh, you know, the the first time that I would ever met my co-founder, Lucas. And and Lucas and I built rematch, and he was that that freak who was saying hi to me in the back of the line. Uh and he obviously he's not a freak. I'm just exaggerating because I think it's comical. But uh, you know, I think what's like most incredible about this story with Lucas is that had I shown up 10 minutes earlier, had I, you know, had there been a different seat that I had sat at, had there been, you know, had he, I, you know, Eaten lunch at a different time or sat at a different table. You know, like there were so many ways that I could have never met Lucas in my life. And what's crazy is that I never would have met Lucas any other way. There were zero intern events that summer. He did not live like in my building at all. You know, um, the only way that I knew Lucas was because of that. And he asked me for my phone number. We actually only hung out like midway through summer, if not towards the end of summer like we did not hang out much. Like it was completely possible that I never, ever, ever would have met Lucas in my life and our paths would have never crossed. And it's crazy because he is the smartest, you know, engineer I've ever met. Um, he might be one of the best engineers in the country. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of crazy that, you know, over three years now, what we've gone through together, uh, which is building rematch and, and you know, starting from nothing, starting from $10,000 between ourselves and, You know, building never having raised money to building a company that had about eight hundred thousand users, about two hundred thousand monthly active users um, within you know a year, a year and a half is is just crazy. Uh, We went through an acquisition together. We've gone through you know all the you know all the bumps and you know all the highs and lows. And again, like all of that could have never happened if he you know if one of us had just shown up a little earlier one of us would not have talked to the other person if you know if, if one of us had not texted it, it's, it's crazy to think about it's like I don't know if I believe in fate but if I were that would be one of the few times I'm like oh my god that's like you know stars aligned this is like meant to happen um but yeah so so Lucas and I've been working on rematch together uh went through an acquisition.
0: what is rematch
1: Rematches is, is uh, started off as a platform to let gamers be able to compete in skill-based games together. So think of it kind of like dollar golf, where you know you and your friend are saying, you know, I bet I could, I'll do better in this round than you. Here's a buck, you know, to prove it. Um, so we we brought that to video games, all skill-based games, um, and and we're kind of like a middleman service between two gamers that you know who do you trust, right? Do you, uh, you know, if you and I want to play like FIFA together and say, hey, let's play for five bucks. Uh, do I give the money to you? Do you give the money to me? If I gave it to you, you're going to run away with the money. Am I going to run away with the money, do we need a middleman? And if so, you know, that we both trust, who is this guy and where do we find him? And who's to say that we both trust him? You're an absolute stranger and they're an absolute stranger, right? So we we became this like kind of automated middleman service that we collect the funds from both parties. We are able to, you know, oversee the game and then we distribute the funds back to the to the winning party. So nobody's getting scammed or cheated and we collect service fees for doing that. Um, and eventually, you know, kind of our, our biggest, you know, strategy for user acquisition was tournaments and and we became, you know, a massive tournament hosting, you know, company, which oftentimes could have had, you know, um, you know, between 5,000 to 15,000 participants in a single tournament, which is like pretty, you know, at the time we we didn't really like realize how good that was. Um, But then when we started to kind of look at our competitors and realize that, you know, we have, we're up against one company that is YC backed and they had raised like three mil from YC. And another company that was also venture-backed with $5 million in their bank, and we were nothing. And when we were, like, literally looking at the participations in each tournament, as well as, like, how many head-to-head matches there were, we were unexaggerated 25 to 100 times more popular than all the other venture-backed companies. And we started with $10,000 and never took any other money out. So we had built, like, a fantastic product. Um, and, and, like... Yeah. And, and eventually, you know, we, we got noticed and, and, you know, went through with an acquisition and now we're at our parent company, Z-League.
0: That's awesome. Can you, I kind of want to add in now that we've spent some time talking about like work into like who Johnny is personally. Um, that sounds really fascinating though, Johnny, and, and huge congrats on everything that, that you've done. Um, being your friend for a little bit, I've gotten to see a lot of these touch points and um, you're awesome.
1: So mm, thank you. Really cool. And handsome.
0: And handsome and <laughs> thick shoulders now, apparently. You take up like one fourth of the I got uh,
1: the same wingspan as an F16 baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so can you talk about a little bit more of uh who's Johnny outside of work? How's life been? You know, social, like graduating as a student. I was a student entrepreneur too. I can relate on that. Yeah. Like
1: yeah.
0: All, all that good stuff. What do you like to do outside of rematch now?
1: And- yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, like, a tough question because I wish I had, like, more specific answers. I really like to socialize. I love my friends. Um, I would say, like, pretty much every day after work, I'm with someone or a group of friends until, like, 10 or 11 p.m. And then may, maybe even later, like, it's actually kind of bad. I, like, absolutely destroy my sleep schedule. But sometimes I'm up until 2 or 3 a.m. Like, on a Tuesday, I'm like, what are we doing, guys? Um, but yeah, I, lo- I love to go out, like just hang out, watch movies, you know, we, uh, my, my friends and I, um, <laughs> I started playing outdoor hide and seek, which has been a blast. Uh, but you know, we like generally, like just being in the presence of like, like-minded or, or like high, you know, high energy, high spirited people is, is like what I, what 10, you know, how, how I occupy a lot of my time. Um, I love driving and going on drives. Um, I, am like kind of like the designated uh I guess the designated driver, but not in an alcohol sense. like I just like love to like take everyone around. I think I have a big car, so it's like I love to like pack it up with you know four, five six, seven people and drive around and you know, blast music. Um, video games, I'm a gamer, I like playing video games um I, I think that like I'm also kind of like a good, family guy now like I that's definitely changed and I like to you know be home with my parents and my brother and and kind of like take care of you know at least my younger brother who's just this uh 10th grade or gonna be in 11th grade now um but yeah I think like generally like I, there's like both sides of being outwardly social but also staying in and, and like playing video games and a good movie night is always like fun too I'm not like a huge like go to bars and clubs kind of guy but I do like just like the social like five to 10 person kind of, you know, Friday nights where we're, you know, yeah, we're, we're having a good time and and having laughs, but you know, without the part of getting ready to go out to a club. (laughs) So
0: what, what would you say then is like the best way someone can reach out to you, find you, or even connect
1: with you? Uh, text me. That's, that's great. Um, you know, if you want to get real professional, you can LinkedIn, you can get my LinkedIn DMS, uh, although I'm not on that frequently, but yeah, I mean, just like text me. If if anyone, most people who are listening to this probably know me personally at this point. So yeah, just text and (laughs) I will be around.
0: (laughs) I love that. Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about that is something that you want the community to know about you or just in general, you like talking about? one
1: of your passions I think like I've gotten the question of what's next and you know I, I'm at my parent company now and who knows how long that'll last right it could be you know until the end of this year it could be a couple of years right but I think where a lot what my biggest passion is and what I've realized that I love doing is just building and I like being active and I, I don't want like I, I hate like just taking kind of like medial tasks I want to like be building towards something big um and yeah so I, I think like starting another business is absolutely within my cards here and and what I want to be doing um so I'm, I'm really looking forward to to doing that in the future
0: yeah I love that um last question in terms of just, like, life and dating and friendships and everything, like, as an entrepreneur and, like, moving around, how has that been?
1: Honestly, I think it's supposed to be tougher. Like, it really depends. I think I've had a very unhealthy balance before. I've had, had very, like, actual depressive, you know, depressive uh, spirals. Um, so, so I think, like, what a lot of people expect an entrepreneur to say is like, uh, nah, fuck it. Like I got to focus my business. It's only me. I don't have time for anyone else or anything else. For me, I I honestly do try to have a better balance, especially now after the acquisition, like this is now I have weekends to myself. Like I really am kind of like, you know, more of a nine to five, like, yes, I do check in early and I do end late sometimes, or I do work late, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I, I generally like do try to try to balance my life. Uh, yeah, dating is confusing, and and girls suck. But uh, you know, uh, uh, other than that, you know, everything is is going great. a company
0: <laughs> excluded, of course, <laughs> and vice yes, of versa. Yes, um, yes, yes. No, I definitely hear you. Dating sucks, um, and I think one of the things I'm trying to do in these in these talks, also, and even just through space, is realize the commonalities everyone has, um, and dating's one of them. And I only bring that up because I know we've talked about it in the past. So thank you, Johnny, for going with yeah. me on that. Yeah, um, no course. But yeah, it's definitely been interesting. So I'll give you the last word, Johnny. Um, is there anything that you want to say how to, people can support you um, and find you and all that good stuff? How can, people uh,
1: how can people support me? I mean, man, I'm really bad at asking for support. I, I would say. Maybe that's an area of support. <laughs> yeah. Teach me how to be more selfish. Yeah. Um, no, I, honestly, I, I I, don't really have any areas of, of support right now, which is like kind of crazy to say. Um, I guess like I'm curious if other people have uh, ways to prevent burnout. Like I've talked to JC pretty extensively about that, but that's, you know, I'm kind of in the headspace of burnout right now again, which kind of sucks. Um, But I'm curious, yeah, you know, like how are other entrepreneurs kind of like dealing with that? Do you just kind of like, is it sort of like a, what are they called? Like a you know, when you're running and your side hurts, what, what, what was that called? Uh, it's
0: like a dehydration cramp.
1: Sure. Whatever. You know, when you're cramping and you don't want to run anymore, like it's kind of like burnout. Do you want, are you supposed to just keep pushing, you know, I'm not sure, but, um, I guess preventative measures are, are better, but anyways, how, how are people like taking care of themselves and making sure they don't get burnt out? Or if they do, then what do you do to you know combat that?
0: And what, what does burnout feel like to you though? Cause I feel like it's different for everybody. For me, it's like, I just don't have a desire to work or right. I feel very distracted and
1: all yeah. that. That's exactly right. I wake up late, not excited to work. I do like an hour of work, two hours of work. I'm like, mm, time for a break, go walk outside, pet my dog. You know, I like, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going balls to the wall. I'm not putting gas, you know, pushing on the gas pedal super hard. I, the last thing I want to do actually is like work. Right. Um, I think like a lot of that derives from like not finding something that you you're not doing something that you love. Um, like when you don't do something you love, but you're forced to do it because you have to, you just get like burnt out from doing it. It's lame and it's tough and it's annoying. It's a waste of mental energy, but um, yeah, like for me, yeah. Kind of like you said, I just don't, you know, I don't want to work. I'm looking for any excuse to do anything else, you know? Um, yeah. That's kind of what it looks like for me.
0: Yeah, and the ways that you talked about with other people of combating that—any any nuggets in there?
1: I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Sorry.
0: No, I said, do you have any nuggets though? We'll end on this. I know we keep saying we'll end on this, yeah, we'll end yeah. on this. but like, do you have any nuggets of like how do you combat that and and burnout?
1: There, there. Yeah, there's a couple things. Like one. I think if you are in a position where you get to make your own roles, do something that is like more interesting, right? Even if it's like for short term, I think like if it excites you, you know, like a lot of times people get beat down and are bored and are burnt out because they're not getting like hit with dopamine. They're not getting hits of wins, right? Like when something's really hard and you hit wall after wall after wall, you just get burnt out. You're tired. You feel depressed. You're sad. Like, you know, like, uh, the last thing I want to do is try again. So I think like sometimes what people need is like to get a win um and whether that's like small or big like but you need to make it you need to feel like it's a win and I think like a lot of like guru you know entrepreneurship gurus are like take every step as a win and maybe that works for some people for me it's not like I have really high goals for myself and but do whatever you need to do to make it so that you feel like you're getting some wins like get that hit of dopamine feel good about yourself and then you can head back to the tougher project if you need to um but that's that's one thing and I think another thing that has helped me um is like just telling yourself, okay, I'm just gonna do 10 minutes to work right now. And oftentimes, you know, it's just like getting started. That's really, really tough. Oftentimes, if you just get started, you find yourself doing a lot more than just the 10 minutes. And, um, you know, and if you end up doing an hour and say, okay, I did my 10 minutes and I'm gonna take a small break. And then, you know, you know, 30 minutes later say, okay, let's go again. I'll do just do another 10, 20 minutes, like of hard, good work. That's like sometimes what you need to just like, you know, zone back in. Um, and, and I do that sometimes, like when I really don't want to work, I'm like, fuck, I'll just send like one more email and do this. And then I end up doing like way more I'm like, okay, I'm in the group now, let's go. So, um, th- those are like the two things I would say.
0: I love that. Um, Johnny, thank you for your time today. And I just want to thank everybody for listening. You gave a lot of good nuggets today. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you.